The sponsor for this episode is the publisher Rootledge. They publish a wide range of books for pre and in-service teachers, teacher educators and educational researchers. Go to their website to find a lot of books and resources. It's rootledge.com. Here from the Faroe Islands, I am hoping that you are having an amazing day. And I hope that you will uh, enjoy uh, the interview that I will um, provide you with today. And as usual, this is an interview that I have conducted with a researcher who researches leadership, either in the area of schools, early childhood settings and social care settings. Enjoy the interview. So I am here at the University of Portsmouth, and with me is Stephen Corbett. Welcome to the podcast, Stephen. Thank you. I'm I'm pleased to be here. Yeah. So Stephen, this is um, a short podcast. We only have about kind of 25 minutes. So I have asked you to pick one subject or one publication for us to talk about. So so what what is your plan? Well, my my current research is around further education middle managers, and I'm looking at uh, developing a competency framework for further education middle managers. So that's what I thought we could talk about today. Hmm. And and let us first start by defining. So, what is a middle manager? So for the the purposes of my research, the middle manager is essentially the first management role somebody takes on after being a teacher. And so they are a line manager of teaching staff or other academics. And um, it's that that middle stage between from being a teacher into management and then on to senior management. And for the purposes of of my research, what I've found so far is that um, teachers often have a huge amount of training, which is rightly so, uh, to make sure that students are getting a great educational experience. And then there's a big focus on senior leaders to make sure that the strategic vision and how that's implemented for an organisation such as a school or a college is done well. But often there's a bit of a missing middle, and that's what I wanted to focus on. And when we talk about further education, in order to get my Nordic country listeners to be with us, so further education is kind of the college level in England? Yes, it is. So further education is generally students who are age 16 or over. And we have a whole range of different types of educational organisations in that sector. Primarily they're colleges, but we have general further education colleges who offer a lot of vocational and skills training. And we also have sick form colleges who offer A-level programmes and um, things like the International Baccalaureate, as well as having specialist colleges that focus in, say, on performing arts or animal care or construction and engineering. And your research in, is in this broad area, so it's both sixth form, kind of the more practical, but also ordinary colleges? 
Yes, yes. So when in the research that I've done, I surveyed the middle managers nationally across England. I'm, I kept it to England because the educational systems in Scotland uh, for further education is slightly different, so I focused on just just England. But I cast the, wet, the, the net for that across all types of FE institutions, so FE colleges, sick forms, and so on and so forth. And... and um When, when you talk about a middle manager, you say a middle manager or middle leader? Well, it, it, it can be both. Often the term uh, is manager because that's what the, the job title is normally. Yeah. And it does vary. So sometimes uh, they'll be called heads of department. Sometimes they'll be called curriculum managers. Sometimes curriculum leaders. It, the, the title varies. Um, but the, the historic term, middle management, has sort of endured the test of time um, but essentially they are middle leaders you know that that is leadership is a key part of any management role if it's done well in my opinion and and, and these people who get the position of a middle manager uh, will they also teach kind of throughout the week it can vary from institution to institution um, but in many Uh, colleges and sick forms, yes, they'll have a combined role where they'll, they'll be um, essentially have a, an element of remitted time. That's time dedicated to their management role, but then with an expectation that some of their time will still be focused on teaching. And uh, that in itself causes can cause challenges because obviously as a manager, you can't necessarily anticipate when certain things are going to be needed to be done if there's a, a sudden issue or or crisis that needs attending to if you're teaching a group of students you are then caught between you know your students and the the, the issue that needs dealing with that's not student related so so you have researched middle management in further education so so what is your method is it qualitative or quantitative I've actually taken a mixed methods approach. So th from a, a critical realist uh, paradigm, essentially, that because my my belief is that actually there's a great benefit in, in taking a both quantitative and qualitative approach to really help triangulate and, and give you greater integrity of your research. And I do appreciate there are, like with any research approach, there are people who are for and against, but I, I, I've really valued the mixed method approach in that respect. Okay, so let's talk about uh, your findings. So what have you actually found out about these middle managers? Okay, so, so to date what I've done is I've, I've done a desk-based study which has informed my uh, literature review. And we've carried out the first stage of the research methodology, which was the national survey, which is recouping um, a lot of quantitative data. Now, from the, the desk-based study in the research literature, um, what I found was that there, there isn't actually a, a set of competencies or defined expectations of a middle manager in further education. So when you look at teachers in, in the UK, regardless of what sector they're in, there are a set of professional standards and expectations, and they help inform the training that's developed, i.e. PGCEs and those types of qualifications that are used to train teachers. But the same didn't exist for managers. Um, now, interestingly, they do exist in some sectors for senior leaders. So we have things called the 
the National Framework for Qualifications for Head Teachers or the NPQH, but there wasn't anything in FE for, for middle leaders. So I did a systematic review of the literature around further education middle management and also reviewed management uh, literature, but generic management literature, not one that's, there isn't much management literature that's focused on further education middle management. And using those two things, I've synthesized them to develop a draft competency framework. So in, when doing that, um, using generic management competency frameworks, I reviewed three um, in total. And two of them were, were very good because they, they helped to um, provide a more three-dimensional review of management. Because often you know, in, your, in your initial management and leadership literature, your Mintzbergs and fails and tailors and so on and so forth. They define managers as being one or 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 two one of two things. So you're either an X or a Y manager, and that you approach things in a specific way. Um, the frameworks I looked at was one was by Boyatsky, and the other one was by Quinn uh, McGrath Fairham, and they. What they did is highlighted that managers approach things in a different way depending on the circumstance. Hmm. So, for example, if you are working with somebody who's new to the organisation, you might have a more directive approach to help mentor and facilitate them actually undertaking their role well. Whereas if you're working with an experienced colleague, you would be less direct and more facilitative, appreciating their level of expertise and, and autonomy. The only problem with their competency frameworks was that they were generic. And as we know, as, as practitioners who work in education, the education sector operates differently in many respects to the private sector. And therefore, some form of generic management framework would, would not be suitable. And that led me to a framework by Deerdorf, which was based on a a study done in the US which looked at uh, managers from all different industries in the US. It was, a, it was a, um, a massive study and they developed a competency framework for managers but their one criticism of their own framework was while the framework itself is fine it needs to be contextualised to the sector in which you apply it and so that's what I did. I took further education middle management literature and contextualised Deardorff's framework into this draft framework. And that was the, the first part of what I've done through in, in the research so far. The next stage is around my data collection. So I have now surveyed um, middle managers from across the, the UK and got them to grade each of these competencies to get their perspective in terms of their understanding of their role and which of these competencies they feel are most important to be for a middle manager to be highly effective in their role. And what's, what's been really interesting, and I'm, I'm sort of trawling through the data at, at, at the moment, but what I found really interesting is that there are 
Um, there are certain disconnects depending on the demographic of each manager. So uh, we asked managers if they had received any prior management training or not. And there are certain factors that if you have previously trained, have management training, there's certain factors that you believe are more uh, important than somebody who hasn't. Um, there's also a, a, a big difference between genders as well. So female managers are reporting different competencies as more important compared to male managers. Um, and that's at this stage, we're now looking at, well, well why might that be the case and, and where might that be coming from? And, and so my next stage is to now go back, look at the literature and, and see what where there could be correlations because there has been a suggestion in further education uh, for example with female managers that um, in the late 90s there was a what they termed feminization of further education where there was an influx of female managers and prior to that the the FE sector was being criticized for being too um, too autocratic and goal driven and uh, that the, the culture wasn't necessarily a positive working culture. So the introduction of, of more female managers and leaders actually um, actually helped to curb that, that negative behaviour. So it's going to be interesting to look at those two things and see, is that also coming through in what I'm finding in my research? Uh, <clears throat> and as you talk now, you kind of say management but that's kind of maybe because of historical le leadership, uh, no uh, historical reasons. But but do you actually differ between management and leadership? I do. I I'm I'm always some somewhat reticent to use the term leadership for certain aspects because I I think being a leader is something that's that's quite special, and I sometimes have a concern that we we might end up downplaying the term leadership by using it too often for situations where it's not always it's not always the case mm. i think in any role that you have where you have a level of responsibility in an organization there will be a balance between your management requirements and your leadership skills so the the when I talk about management, it's often more about the functionality of the role and the aspects that you have to do as part of the role. My, my belief of leadership is the way in which you carry out those functions and it's more around the traits and characteristics that you exhibit to, to actually bring people together and bring that, create that shared vision and create a culture that's positive and people working together. And so I see in my opinion the difference between management and leadership is very very clear but it's very difficult to establish a competency framework for being a leader because it's not there's not a set criteria if i give you an example something i used to i i previously used to train teachers and one of the things i used to say to them was about designing a lesson because uh, teachers are always often, when they're training, they want to know, how do I make sure I'm the best possible teacher? And if they were being graded, they would want to know, how do they get the best possible grade? Designing a lesson, I think, is much like baking a cake. So somebody can give you all the ingredients and the recipe needed, but there's something 
funny about when you bake a cake because when my mother bakes a cake, she gets these great, tall, light, fluffy, fantastic cakes. And for some reason, when I bake a cake using her recipe, I get these thin, flat, dense sponges that aren't very good. It's like a brownie, maybe. <laughs> yes, it is, yes. <laughs> Now, fortunately, I like brownies, mm. but, but the principle applies to, to leadership, I think, as well. Um, you know, there is this, an element of leadership that you can't give somebody a set of criteria they need to fulfill to be a good leader or a great leader. Um, And so the management competency framework is about developing it. These are the sets of competencies we need to do our job well and to fulfill the requirements of being a manager. But the next step is then how do you undertake those things to such an extent that you then become a leader? Okay, and then you talked about that some of these middle managers, they could be a curriculum leader and you said kind of some other the titles as well yes yes and and i think this is the the a real interesting part of the study and the, the premise for me doing this study was was two part the first part is that i used to work in the further education sector and i was a teacher and then i became a manager so from my personal experience i was i was very aware of people i worked with that often you're a very good teacher and then you're promoted into management but not necessarily prepared Uh, in any way to be to undertake that role and um, I, I wrote a paper uh, last year which was about the the differences and similarities between teachers and managers mm. because I think there there's often people can see them as as different roles and sometimes the term us and them are used as well between teachers and managers but sometimes there's an underappreciation for that manager that the fact that they're having a challenge in terms of their own professional identity because on one hand they are a teacher they've been trained as a teacher they have their values as a teacher but when they go into a management role and they become this middle leader they are still a teacher but they now have to make other decisions that might sometimes be contrary to their beliefs as a teacher because they have to start working with budgets and they start have to make judgment calls in terms of while things might be ideal actually practically can we do that as an organization can we afford it um, what are the health and safety ramifications yeah, and so on and so forth and these sometimes there may be a need to ask people to do more for less hmm. a term that i think we've all become very used to in the in the, the past decade but as a teacher you know how difficult the role is so then as a manager to ask your fellow teachers to undertake something can be quite challenging um, so these different terms curriculum manager head of department and basically it's somebody who is leading a group of teachers and educators i think it's it's a very challenging role and that's why i wanted to do this research in the hope that it might be able to identify some things where we could provide additional training and support to those new managers and middle leaders to to actually better equip them the same way that we equip teachers when they're training to be the best teachers i think we 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 should be doing the same for our middle leaders because they deserve it as well and 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 when there is for example one further education school who has kind of installed the curriculum leader management role 
and maybe there's another school which has installed uh, a head of subject kind of department lead. Do you think that, that is, is there a difference in which position and which title we give this persons, or do you maybe think that it will be the same no matter what organizational structure we have? I think it can vary because it depends on the size of the organization. So sometimes you might find in some bigger colleges that there might be two levels of middle managers. Uh, you might have a team leader who has maybe a group of uh, five or ten staff teachers who they're responsible for. And above them, there might be, say, a head of department or another or curriculum director, that type of role that is responsible for a set of team leaders and their in turn their staff. In smaller colleges, you might find actually you don't have those two levels. You just have one level, which is a curriculum manager, and then they are line managed by the senior manager, uh, say an assistant principal. So it does vary in terms of the size of uh, the college. My research purposely asked the first question of any of the respondents, um, do you directly line manage teachers, trainers or assessors? So those people who are engaging directly with students and the, and the learning process to try and avoid having people who might be further up the chain because I wanted to look at that first role that you have after being a teacher um, to see how well prepared are we and what is it that we can learn and make sure. So I think this would also be a benefit to any organisation because when they're thinking about succession planning, they're planning for the future, who are going to be their future leaders, who they're trying to build capacity and capability in. If they've got a competency framework that says, right, from being a teacher to then being a manager or middle leader, um, this is this is what you're going to need to aspire to. These are the skills you're going to need to develop. You can actually then start to put that in motion rather than appointing somebody to a job, giving them all the work and then them basically being what we would term as being thrown in at the deep end. You know, here you go. And it's a um, in literature, actually, people make reference to the sink or swim mentality mm. that you say to somebody, well, you know you're a manager now this is what you've got to do and they're either successful or they're not and as a teacher actually I don't think that's we wouldn't do that with our students we wouldn't put our students into an exam and say we haven't taught you anything yet but let's just see how you do to start with you know that's a really not a great way to set up um, somebody's confidence and, and get them well prepared and then um, yeah You, you talked about <clears throat> this third model. I think it was called Dirdof. The author is Dirdof, yes. Dirdof, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you talked about that you had contextual, contextualized it in a third education kind of setting. And, and I assume, and I think you have already said it, that the middle manager in a further education institution is very close to kind of the actual teaching and learning. Have you looked any into what Americans call instructional leadership or leadership of learning or yeah, pedagogical leadership or whatever we call it? Is, is, is there anything kind of being done there which is interesting for your point of view? Yes, I think, I mean, the 
there's a there's a big push um, at the moment about research informed practice and and leadership in terms of there's lots of terms that get banded around often aren't there so we've got things like transactional leadership transformational leadership instructional leadership um, and principally when when you look at a lot of these models they there's a lot of there's a lot of value in them and it's pulling out the value of each one for that given situation um, and sometimes the challenge is with these with these different models that have they all been applied in education but the ones that have generally because we're working with teachers and people who have gone through a high degree of professional training who are highly skilled we do have to consider our leadership approach to make sure that we are we are treating them with the respect the autonomy and professionalism that they deserve and i think a lot of the the different leadership models that that work really well are the ones where we are working to empower our teachers mm. and and support them rather than ones that add layers of bureaucracy uh, or are quite dictatorial and autocratic um, because you if you've got somebody who's highly skilled and professional it's about motivating that person rather than directing them to what they have to do hmm, very interesting Stephen um, time is actually coming to an end now uh, if, if we shall try to give some kind of practical advices to um, people in a middle management position in third education, what, what would those be? Well, um, hopefully in about a year's time, be reading my paper. <laughs> um, but actually, I think what I've found so far is that there is there is a benefit for people to do some form of management training. Uh, because people who have done the management training are recognising certain competencies at a higher level. Um, if you don't have the ability to do management training, I think there is a big focus on making sure that you're, you've upskilled your, your approach to um, working with people in terms of the human resource management and leadership aspect, understanding what motivates your staff and, and letting... don't. When anybody takes on a new management role, sometimes there is a fear of letting the staff lead and you feel that you have to instruct and do everything. But actually, don't be afraid to let your staff take the leading role on things and you facilitate it. Um, your staff's success will be your success. Thank you very much, Stephen. Uh, and, and if my listeners want to kind of uh, find your research and read what you have written, uh, where can they go on the internet? If they visit the University of Portsmouth's website, uh, we have a staff section and I'm on the staff section and that links through to a, a system called Pure and all of our research outputs as staff is, is on that system. So they'll be able to see it. Thank you for listening to the podcast Research in Leadership in Schools, Early Childhood Settings and Social Care Settings. I hope you have enjoyed the interview and that you have gained some new insights into leadership. I hope that you will listen to the other podcasts in this series. A new podcast is being published on the first of every month. 
You're also welcome to join us on Facebook. There's a group called Research in Leadership in Schools, Early Childhood Settings and Social Care Settings. If you just type in the name of the podcast in the search field in Facebook, you will find the group. Once again, thanks for listening and bye-bye.